Hello, my name's Justin the Clue, and do I have a treat for you. As many of you know, the cut and paste films of Godfrey Ho, Thomas Tang, and Joseph Lai are filled with footage of Caucasian actors spouting inane dialogue, often dressed as ninjas, in an attempt to fool audiences into thinking they were watching American productions. Some actors, like Bruce Barron, appeared multiple times in these pictures. Others, like Richard Harrison, found themselves in a dozen pictures pretty much against their will. And then there are some faces that came and went without even being credited, such as the case with Trudy Calder. A few days ago, Twitter user and important cinema club member Skinslip tweeted about her journey exploring the gold Ninja video Blu-ray set Ninja Vortex. Skinslip mentioned watching Crocodile Fury, and Trudy replied to that tweet with the revelation that she was one of the actors in the film. She played the blonde-haired sorceress who commands an army of hopping vampires, attacks the hero with a metal razor hand, and has a monster burst out of her chest. I reached out to Trudy and asked if she'd be willing to be interviewed about her experiences working on Crocodile Fury. And she was gracious enough to take the time to answer my questions. How did you get involved in these films? Because I was traveling with my partner at the time. I was 20. We took a gap year, just went off traveling. And we met up with some friends in Hong Kong who we knew from back home. And they'd met somebody else who was doing the movies. So first my partner went off and did film with them. And this guy called Dennis Tang came down and sort of was scouting around for people. And he asked if I'd go up and meet this chap. And I did. And he said, yeah, she's okay for filming. So I started filming with them. And had you had any interest in being an actor before then? No. So you just heard somebody being like, listen, we're casting a movie. Did you have any doubts? You're like, what kind of movie are you casting for? Not really. I just thought it was, I suppose I was young and I thought, oh, it'll be a bit of fun. The three guys that I knew, I suppose I felt quite safe because they were around at times. And yeah, I didn't know what the movie was about. I knew it was a horror movie. I didn't have a script. I didn't know the storyline. I just did as I was told to do. That's why I think I look so odd at times because I have absolutely no idea what's going on. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be saying or doing, but I'll do what I'm told. And did they bring you to a studio or was it outside somewhere else? Did you have to travel for it? I was staying on Nathan Road in a place called Chunking Mansions, which was then renowned for lots of travellers to stay in. And I went up to a place called Diamond Hill, which was on the outskirts. So I used to get the tube or the underground up there it was like corrugated houses it was quite dilapidated I don't think it's there anymore and there was an old house I suppose what you would call like a, a house that had fallen into disrepair and that was where they were filming and then there was some land they were filming at and I know the lads filmed somewhere else because I went out with them one day and was watching the filming and we thought that was two separate movies. When I watched Crocodile Fury, there at the beginning of that, the three lads that I, I sort of knew, my partner and the other two, they're, they're in the beginning of that film and then they never appear in it again. And then they're in another film. I don't think it's called Robocop, but it's something similar like that. Robo Vampire? Yes. They're in that as well. And they did all that filming at the same time. I've only stumbled across this recently in lockdown. And you know how boring lockdown is. Um, so it's quite the highlight of my lockdown. And I showed my daughter. So she was waiting. I didn't tell her what it was. And then she went, oh, my God, that's you. <laughs>
How did you stumble upon it? Because I thought, well, technology's moved on. Let me have a look. So I put in, literally, I put in YouTube, cheap budget Hong Kong movie, 1988. And I came up with that Robo Vampire. So when I watched the beginning of Robo Vampire, I thought, well, that's all my mates. And Kent Wills, who was an American. So I looked at the credits and I found what other films Kent was in because I'd, I'd worked with him. So that was then, it brought me to Crocodile Fury he was in. So then when I started watching that, there I was. <laughs> I can't believe you found it through that way. That's amazing. <laughs> so a little bit of detective work, I suppose, and looking. But my name isn't in the credits, I think. I believe they've put me down as Trudy Calder. I checked out that name afterwards, and there's one other film that uh, Trudy Calder appears in, and it's Outlaw Killer from 1989. And that name is actually on the poster. That's how prominent it is. But unfortunately, that film, it was released in Spain on VHS, and it's, I couldn't find it anywhere uploaded on the internet. So, And that would fit because I filmed in 1988. But that doesn't mean to say they, they used that footage until 1989. When we were talking earlier, you mentioned that for Crocodile Fury, those scenes, you only shot for two days, that footage, right? No, it was more than that. It was probably about the three or four days. And then we started filming. And I got paid at the end of every day, full amount. And then when I started doing the other filming, they said, because you're filming for such a long time, we don't want you leaving halfway through because that would mean we've wasted everything we've done. So we'll pay you half at the end of every night because I had to work nights for that film and we'll pay you the whole lot at the end. And I said, yeah, that's fine. I mean, they did treat us really well. They, they were very kind. Yeah, I was wondering about that because so you come to this like dilapidated uh, building where they're filming and how was it like organized? Um, and did you have any communication problems with anyone? Um, Dennis was the interpreter. I don't ever think I worked with Godfrey Hope. No, I don't believe he worked on that movie. His name gets slapped on a lot of films that are part of his kind of like family of people that were working. There's like Thomas Tang and Joseph Lai. And I think his name is kind of a catch-all. Do you remember who the director that was like, or whoever was in charge? No, but he didn't speak English. So Dennis did all the interpretive. So he would tell me what I had to do and he would show me the shots and he would do them for me. So I would just copy what he did. No, there wasn't a great deal of organization. There was a lot of sitting around and doing nothing at times all day. So I'd just take a book with me. And it was quite fun watching the other scenes at times and how they did the rain and the winds. They'd get an oscillating fan and they'd get a hose pipe and they'd got the makeup lady doing things. And the last scene where they show my stomach in Crocodile Fury and it explodes. That's right. And like a monster pops out of it. Yeah. I had a stand in. The makeup lady stood in for me. So I watched all that happening, but it wasn't me that was actually, you know, with that whole thing. They did put it on me for a while. And then they said, oh, it's okay. You can go home now. We're, you know, and I just hung around. When you arrived and you started shooting and they told you what you had to do, did you have a moment where you were taken aback and you're like wait I have to dress like this I don't think so because I think I knew it was a horror movie so but I think it was a different culture because obviously vampires in Europe are very much Dracula vampires sucking blood and the way they dress with white faces they sleep at night whereas Chinese culture the vampires are obviously very different so I just took it as I, I was quite laid back in my 20s I just took it as it came whatever in the film you're like doing spells you're waving your hands and it looks like you're just yeah, right. mousing nonsense yeah. through most of yeah. it 
the second film, they did ask me if I would go topless. And I said, no. We had to go to a swimming bath for a day and film. So that was in a school. And they put me in the shower. And then it became apparent why they'd asked me to go topless. They wanted me in the shower. It wasn't because it was being rude, but I still refused. I'd got a bikini on, but I said, no, I'm not taking my clothes off. That's... Uh, you know, not happening. Do you remember the second film that you filmed? Like, was it more of an action film? Was there a fantasy element to it? I think it was more of an action film. I particularly remember a scene with a rat and they told me it was a mouse, but it was a blinking great mouse if it was a mouse. And I worked with a German girl because they were dubbing it over at the end. They didn't mind what language we were speaking. Did you have particular lines that you would have to say during each shot? No, because even in Crocodile Fury, even though it's in English, that's not my voice. So what would you say? Would you just do the classic like one, two, three when you had to talk? No, sometimes they would give me a little bit of what it was about. And you can see that because some of the lines are quite well dubbed because I'm actually talking sense. But other times I just I just move my mouth. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'll just smile sweetly and, and move my mouth about. They at times told me, don't make too many words, just pretend you're talking so that I suppose when they dubbed, it was easier. Now in Crocodile Fury, you don't really do much stunt stuff. But as you mentioned, at one point you have like giant metal claws that you slash at somebody. Yeah. Were you just excited to do that when they gave you that opportunity? Were you like, oh, are these dangerous? Or If you watch my face really careful, you can see that I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> because I knew Kent as well. He he was sharing a room in Chunking Mansions with, with Rob and Jonathan. I'm just trying really hard not to laugh because it was good fun for them. You know, they're trying to make money out of it. And we appreciated that. But some of the scenes were quite funny. So, yeah, if you watch, I'm just like slashing his face with my hands and I, I'm trying trying to keep a straight face there's there's almost <laughs> almost a laugh you mentioned that you waited around on the sets do you remember how many takes you would have to do for stuff was it like a one and done they're like all right we got it let's move on they wanted it done as succinct as possible i do remember not in crocodile fury but in the other film i was supposed to be in bed and i had to get a gun out of the sideboard and I think they'd shown me everything I had to do and they'd let us practice a couple of times and then it was real take and I opened the drawer and there's no gun there they hadn't put the gun back um, and there was another scene where they'd got a, I had to open a can of coke and that we'd gone through it and we went to do the real take and because we'd gone through it three or four times they've got the positioning light the lighting right everything right and I just then again pretended to open up the can of coke and then we all looked at each other and went oh god no start again <sighs> Because I actually had to open, you know, the coat. But they were supplying us with drinks. They supplied us with water. They fed us. The food was okay. But, you know, it was it was very generous. Can't remember how much I got paid, but it was decent money for what we were doing. You know, because we were sat around most of the time, chilling out. And I'm sure that while you were doing it, you didn't assume that you could go on the internet uh, 30 years later and find it. I never really thought I'd ever see the films. And did you have any idea that like it would be dubbed into English? Did you assume that it would maybe just come out in Hong Kong? Did anybody give you that indication? I just thought it would be dubbed over into Cantonese or... I, I have a suspicion I've probably seen copies of it in France in Carrefour. There is a story that it was available to buy and it was dubbed in French and available. And I've spent many summers in, in France and walked in 
been in and out of car for and I've probably walked past, you know, a dubbed film. I don't know if you read about Godfrey Ho, but like the film, the one that you appear in, it's another film that they took and edited new footage of you into it. It's cut and paste, isn't it? Exactly. And did you have any indication that's what it was going to be when you were shooting it on the set? No, they told us very little about what was happening. And we were quite happy to go along. It was a bit of a laugh. We respected that they were trying to make money and I I wouldn't have disappeared on them. And it was good fun, but they didn't tell us a great deal. Dennis was like their runner. He went and got things. He went and got Westerners to come up. He went down to Chunking Mansions because that's where all the Westerners were staying. He'd find people. And I'm sure his name was Dennis Tang. And you mentioned your friends worked on these films as well. Did they work longer than you did? No, Kent did. But the other three guys, no, they didn't. They, they in effect, had just a couple of days filming and that was it. Jonathan and Rob had probably done a little bit before we got there. They may have done a day's filming before we arrived. Um, Rob, I I haven't seen for years. And sadly, Jonathan was killed in a tragic accident some years ago. So he's, he's no longer with us. But the other two are still local, you know, where we came from originally. And I I don't know whether they know that this is on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember any particular scenes on the second film that you shot? I'm just trying to think of like, maybe if there, if there was any fantastical elements or stuff like that, it could like trigger a memory. Cause I've seen a lot of these movies, but they do kind of blend together (laughs) because it's a lot of Westerners, not quite sure where they are. Often fighting ninjas. That's a big thing in these movies. I don't remember any ninjas in it. I do remember, obviously I remember that there was a scene with me sat at a table with a can of Coke. There was a scene in the bedroom. I roll over and open the drawer of the side table and take a gun out. And I was having a shower in a school and there was quite a lot of swimming. But then you don't know whether those bits have been taken and put in more than one film. They could have. I thought it was all one film. But now knowing what I know, I think, well, that could have been put in three different films for all I know. Oh, and it happened all the time. There's a famous actor, Richard Harrison, who says he shot for only seven days and then his footage ended up in like 25 different movies. My goodness. But he was a ninja, so it was easy to reuse his footage. Wow, it may have been a little bit more difficult for you. Wait, so did you think that the vampire stuff was related to like the gun stuff that you did? Where I'm in the pink regalia, as I call it. I knew that was one film, but the second one, I probably filmed for two weeks. Yeah, that's a long time for like extra stuff like that. So it could be appearing in all types of movies. Yeah. So I I have no idea where it's been put. I hope that uh, maybe an expert on this kind of subgenre of film will listen to this interview and they'll be like, oh, I know exactly where she is and in what picture. So did you have to get involved in any of the action stuff with any of the shooting? Or did you see any action stuff be shot? There were bits and pieces that I saw. More with the lads when I went up to watch them filming. They were 20 years old, 21 years old. And they loved it because they'd got bombs going off and they were like kids with new toys. They, They were in their element. And it was probably quite dodgy what they were doing. I don't know about the safety aspect, but, you know, they live to tell the tales, so that was okay. They go get them from the Chunking Mansion, so nobody knows where they left from. But they had lots of fun doing that. There were a lot of people from Taiwan, a lot of them were Taiwanese, that were working, you know, the crew working, the cameraman, 
and some of the people doing the stunts are, I think, or I had the impression a lot of them were Taiwanese. They weren't necessarily Hong Kong natives. And so were your days particularly long? It sounds like it, you know, it was not like nightmarish shoot, which I would have assumed watching this footage in all of these movies. No, they were probably, I don't know, we'd probably be out for 10, 12 hours. The first one, it was daytime, most of it. But the second one, most of it was shot at night. So I was literally getting back early in the hours of the morning. They had a little Taiwanese guy who carried all the money. And he was probably about, I'm five foot seven. He was probably about five foot. And he's always got lots of money on him and he'd walk me down through diamond hill where i really didn't i really didn't like the rats because they came out at night and he laughed at me one time because i nearly jumped on top of him when there was a dead rat i screamed (laughs) and he just chuckled all the way down to the taxi pay the taxi driver give me half my money and i'd be taken back to nathan road um so it was all paid for they were and and they looked after me you know they made sure i was safe getting in the taxi and and sort me out. When it got to the end of the shoot, were they just like, all right, we're done. You can go. We don't need you anymore. Do you remember how that finished? At the end of the day, it was usually right. We haven't got any more scenes for you to shoot. So, you know, you can go off. And I just remember them asking me to stick around for the two weeks. I said, all right, that's fine. I'm going to go off to China. And they all laughed. Um, The thought of me going to China to travel around, they just thought it was hysterical. And when I got there, I did sort of realize why. Traveling in China in 1988 was hard work. And then, and then, so I went off, you know, did my own thing, came back to Hong Kong and then flew out to Thailand. You know, I'd got some photographs. So it was nice memories, something a bit different that I'd done. But I'm sure you're just like, and then I never had to think about it again. It'll never come back again in my life until you mentioned you went searching for it. One of the guys at work said something and I thought, right, I'm going to have a look, see what I can find, you know. Oh, somebody at work said something about those kinds of movies? No, I think I mentioned it and he said, well, well, they're called, what are they? And I said, I don't know. (laughs) I have never known. So I thought, right, that's that's a bit of a mission. I to really have a look and see if I can find them and stumbled across them. I make it sound easy to find it. I think it took me probably a good four or five hours of, you know, searching, looking. I don't know. I am quite good at searching. I did family history um, as an occupation. So if I want to find something, I usually find a way. Based on what little information that you had, I'm shocked that you were able to find it. But like you said, if it's (laughs) one of your skills. On YouTube, there's a spoof trailer, Crocodile Fury 2. Somebody's done. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I have not seen it. Oh, it's a great spoof trailer. And they've taken the clips and sort of made this trailer. It's a bit of a Mickey take. Um and, and it's quite good fun. Oh, wow. Have, have a look for it. So after all that, uh, I assume that you never did any more acting, that it was just, you know, a lark while you were traveling in Hong Kong. <laughs> no, I never did any more acting. I, I came back, went to work behind a bar, got married, had children. I've got a 28-year-old and a 22-year-old to two daughters yeah they thought it was a bit of a hoot as well when i showed them i cannot imagine if one of my parents told me like oh i was in a movie called crocodile fury where i fought um hopping vampires i'd be like what we'd had to clear out the attic at home last year and so there was the three of us so we unearthed a lot of photographs and bits and pieces so i think those turned up at the time there's pictures of me and kent and me all dressed up 
haven't got any pictures from the second film, but the first one, they had an inkling, but to actually see the film and have a bit of a giggle, especially when it's it's such a boring time. I mean, I don't know about you, but lockdown, there's, there's only so much you can do, isn't there? That's perfect. Thank you so much for answering all my questions. You're more than welcome. Because usually actors who have been interviewed that worked on those sets have talked about how chaotic they were, how they were being ripped off. They had mostly miserable experiences. I was very laid back in my 20s. I probably still am to a degree now. And, you know, I, I just thought I was a bit of a hoot. I'm travelling. We did a bit of bar work at times. Did a, I did a bit of hairdressing. I'm a hairdresser as well by trade. And But, you know, it was a way of making a bit of beer money and an experience. But, yeah, I found the crew treated us very well. And I didn't pay a lot of attention to what else was going on, I guess, as to how chaotic or whatever they were doing. Because it didn't affect me. Right. And you weren't an actor either. So you weren't invested in like, oh, will this movie come out? Will they exploit? Because you didn't care. You're just going to go on with your life. I was being paid regardless. I wasn't going to get any royalties or anything like that from it. It was just literally, I get paid at the end of the day, that's it, I go home. And they paid us from when we got in the tube, not from when we arrived there. So yeah, I was I was quite happy. I don't know if you've heard, we've had, um, the BBC have done a, an eight-part drama based on a true story of actually, and this, is, this isn't a bad reflection, of a Canadian lady and French bloke who were in Bangkok and they were murdering travellers. Oh yeah, I have it here. I think it's on Netflix, The Serpent. It's the story of Charles Sobraj. Because of that, the beginning of it was in Hong Kong and Thailand, and it was much as I remember Hong Kong and Thailand. And I think that had provoked those memories. I didn't run into any problems. Thousands and thousands of travellers have travelled and not run into problems. But it did evoke those memories. And I think that's what we were talking about at work. And I said, it's it so reminds me of my time in Hong Kong and Bangkok. You know, that's how I remember these places. I mean, hearing that story, you must be like, whew. Uh, I got lucky, I guess. It's something I didn't get involved with there. But don't we all? Thousands of people do things every day, but, you know, there'll be the one or two. You know, unfortunately, that's that's what happens. And I mean, thousands of people also travel into Hong Kong and they don't end up in a movie that people are talking about 30 years later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 